We're losing! Teamwork, guys, more teamwork. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast, here's Arden Caleb. It's BTS, Thursday, February 6th. The Canucks continue a road trip. Injuries are piling up. What the hell are they going to do about Pouliot and Gabranson? Everybody stop tweeting about when the Canucks get healthy. I think you're cursing them. Bo Horvat is struggling. The Canucks have got to do something. This is Between the Stammers. Art Aronson along with Caleb Kirby. hey yo. That's kind of the rundown. The Canucks, uh, they started out this road trip with that awesome win against the Colorado Avalanche, uh, but they've lost two straights. The first one against the, uh, no, the second one was against the Capitals. The first one was against, I can't, why am I having a brain block? Because that's the way you do it, Art. Uh, It was Philadelphia. Carter Hart stood on his head. That's right, yeah. Goalies played well in both those games. Yeah. Breaking news. What do you think? About Miku Koivu and his season ending with this uh, ACL. Oh, yeah, that's tough. Meniscus tear. Yeah, that's real tough. He's going to have surgery on Friday. Of course, he's going to miss the rest of the season. That's tough. It's a very tight Western Conference everywhere. And maybe. Does that open the door for a Sutter trade? Good question. He'd be a very cheap version of Miku Koivu. Like, no, the, you I know how they it. say a poor man's version of a player? Yeah. This is, like, the poorest of the poor. This is, like... I always bring that example up when I think of Logan Couture. I always call him the poor man's Crosby. Yeah, but that's still, like... That's... Yeah. And Logan that, Couture's a great player. And I don't think that's insulting. When you're calling <laughs> yeah. somebody the poor man's Crosby, who's still, in my opinion, the best in the game, Yeah, you know, like... uh I, I I still think that's a bit of a compliment to a guy like Logan Couture because I think Brock Besser is kind of kind of like a poor man's Ovechkin right now. Yeah, I know, but he's improving. He's gonna get better. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's not yeah. being. And that's not saying anything bad about Brock Besser. Just at this point right now. I, call- I mean, I don't know. I took it a little more personally after you you said it about <laughs> Brock Besser. I'm like, hey, maybe it is insulting. Once you once you uh, make that example with a Canuck, yeah. I mean, maybe Shark fans heard us say that about yeah, exactly. Coach Sure, maybe they'd be up in arms a little bit. Uh, there's some passionate wait Shark to, fans you know out what, there. Wait to, wait to open my eyes about this, Art. You're broadening my horizons, and and maybe you're correct. Anyways, going back to Miku Koivu being out, the Wilder in the hunt. Do you think that we could potentially trade a guy like Sutter and get a piece back that that we need um, to move along here, to to stay in this race? What would the trade be? I mean, they already traded Nino Niederreiter. We could have used him. Nino would have been fantastic. Right? Man. Holy smokes. That would have been super nice to have. They're probably hating life now. Yeah. I. Victor Rask. Well, I guess Victor Rask could just play a lot more minutes, I guess. I mean, Eric Stahl, he could put a good word in for Brandon Sutter, too. He'd be like, yeah, I played with that guy. Uh, you know, I always thought he was going to be a second-line guy, but it never really panned out. Anyways, I'd love to play with him. Bring him over here, you know? He's probably not thinking that at all. No, he's probably not <laughs> thinking that at all. I'm just throwing out <laughs> hypotheticals because I, 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 I actually would really like to move Sutter, and it's not a personal thing against him, like, as – a human being or anything, but I, sounds like I it. feel like we're in this race. And to me, he's one of the biggest redundancies in this lineup and he could be useful somewhere else. I'm, hey, great penalty killer, right? Fantastic penalty killer, but you got to be able to do everything. And I, I think with Sutter, a lot of the times he's kind of where offense goes to die. Like those wingers, man, they barely get passes from him. It's always just chipped in. And then they got to go hunt it down. I'd love to see Jake for 10 and get a nice pass through the neutral zone, skate it down and score a goddamn goal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sutter is, he's got an, a slightly above average shot, which yes. he can't really get off very often. Uh, he's very good in the faceoff circle. He's decent in his own ends, and he can penalty kill. So what value is that in the NHL right now? I think it's big-time value for a team like the Minnesota Wild who are losing a guy who can do that at a very elite level. Yeah. So, I mean, if they want to patch that ship up, 
Maybe they do look at a guy like Sutter. Let's, we should have like a fake trade segment on the between the stammers. Yeah. What would the trade be? Well, I, I was talking to a buddy. He's like, "Oh, we should get Jordan Greenway." And I'm like, "You're so <laughs> horny. He's so horny for Jordan Greenway. It's wait, not wait, even it, funny." Jordan? I thought it was Chad Greenway. It's Jordan, I believe, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I have to look that up. Yeah, yeah. I could be wrong. I, I'm pretty sure it's Jordan Greenway. Is it? Yeah. Oh, um, Chad Greenway's the linebacker that plays for the Minnesota Vikings. That's my ah, bad. there you go. That's my yeah. Bad. Yeah, I think he's retired too. Um. Anyways, I don't think that would happen, but. Man, like even like a depth dis- defenseman, so he didn't have to dress Pouliot every single night out of necessity. Um, I would love to see something, yeah, a prospect in the farm system that uh, might not be panning out on on wing that can maybe bang at home in front of the net. Maybe a six five six winger who's who's not. I mean five six D man who's not developing. It doesn't need to be a blockbuster. By any means, it would just be nice to get some more depth for a guy like Sutter. We need depth. Yeah. I mean, Nito Niederreiter would be perfect because then you could, like, throw him in there when Sven Berchi wasn't there. Ifs and buts, though, Art. That's I gone. I know, I Wave know. Wave goodbye to it. I know, I know. Sorry. Fuck. Uh, Alex Edler. Man, that was scary. That was that was a tough moment watching that. What were you thinking when you saw that? Dude, I was leaning forward with my hands in the prayer position. I was super, super worried. And, uh, like, obviously... Someone's going to die a like con- that. A concussion is still bad. Like, it's still a bad thing to suffer. But he got off lucky with all the potential injuries that you could have had from something like that. His face ate the ice. Yeah. Like, no hands, no nothing. It was just straight face down to the ice. And I was just... I was so happy when I saw him get up to his knees under his own volition. But, dude, the pool of blood. Yeah, that was like, scary as shit. And I, I know the announcers didn't see it happen in live time. I didn't see it happen in live time either. So I was like, oh, man, is this like an Oland Maholster situation where he got like a stick up in the eye? Like the the uncertainty of what happened was the thing that was scaring me the most. And then I saw the replay and I was like, oh, this is still like horrific. Like how many bones in his face did he break or whatever but very very happy to hear just a freak accident I, and i'm surprised he's gonna be okay shit like this doesn't happen more often i mean it's such a fast game and this was this was crazy when you look at the replay and it just he just could not protect himself oh man two major scares in that game too both involving either like that Pedersen when he went into right. the the boards there on that back check which by the way pd with another just fantastic back check yeah. But that aside, like getting tangled up with Edler and hitting the boards as hard as he did, I thought he wasn't coming back in the game as well. Um, but, but man, le- like yeah. it, it makes you – and we've talked about Edler ad nauseum, you know, over the last couple of weeks, especially on this podcast. But it honestly makes you realize like how important this guy is. And they need something if he's going to be out for anywhere longer than the rest of this road trip. Like they need to make a move. And they, they don't have to replace him because you're not going to replace him. You're not going to find anybody in this market that's going to replace Edler at this time. And you shouldn't trade away the future to get a guy who's going to step in for Edler. But you need something. Yeah. Here's Travis Green talking to the media about Alex Edler's injury. Suffered a concussion, no fractures, got a lot of stitches. We'll be out at least a week. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, obviously a scary incident. Uh, medical staff, I thought, did a great job getting out there uh, as quick as they did. And uh, we're thankful that he's going to be all right. Hey, that's, like you said, that's good news. Really, it's good news. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you also said something to me earlier this week that Sven Berchi got a concussion and he was out for two months. Yeah. Or even longer. Maybe it was longer than two months. And it he's out again. Time. Yeah, what do we know about Sven Berchi? I saw, I, I heard some something that he was getting looked at. Just yeah. getting looked at. That's it. That's all we heard of. Uh, That's well, all we he heard flew back him. to Vancouver and he's he's getting looked at. And uh, man, I just like, I don't want this to be a situation where this guy has to stop playing hockey. Like, I, I really enjoy what Sven Berchi brings to the table on this team. And when he's gone, it's so noticeable. Like, yeah. he makes. His chemistry with Horvat is spectacular. We didn't really get to see him play with Petey much yet already, but I feel like like he could add 
some more offense to align with Pedersen. Like, he's just a great fit as a winger for these two guys. And he hits the net with his shots. Like, all his shots are on net. They're either in the net or on net. And that's one of the best things about Barachi's game. He's not scared to rip the puck. He's one of the few guys that is willing to get into the dirty areas and really, really go hard for yeah. it. Yeah, which is almost like, okay, I mean, five concussions now, right? Like, it's almost to his detriment now. But I like I like that he's fearless. And, and he's made such massive strides from when we first got him from Calgary to where he is now as a player. Like, he, he was more of a perimeter guy when we first got him. And he kind of went to the school of tough love as well that some of these Canucks have been to, and he's just blossomed as a player. And, like, he's not the loudest guy in the room. He's not flashy or anything like some of these other guys. But, like, as a complimentary piece on this team, he's huge. And when he's out of the lineup, you miss him. Canucks got other injuries as well. Thatcher Demko. Yeah, that's a getting bizarre an, one, Getting eh? an MRI. I guess he got hurt in warm-up. Yeah, tweak, tweaked his groin, I heard. Yeah. That sucks. I mean, Markstrom's playing so well, so yeah, that's a good thing, but we're just going to have to keep riding. Well, Dipper got the call-up, too, the emergency call-up, and it's it's going to be interesting to see if he gets a chance at the crease. I mean, the way Marky's playing, I think he's kind of got it locked down, barring a, a long-term leave of absence for Demko. But Yeah, you stole my thunder on that one. Jim Benning announced today that uh, the club has recalled defenseman Guillaume Brisois from Utica and goaltender Michael DiPietro from the Ottawa 67s on an emergency basis. So there's no one down there in Utica that could fill Thatcher Demko's spot? Well, We were just talking about them last pod. Yeah. Who were the goalies down there that could? Well, wasn't there an issue with... um... Michael Layton? Wasn't wasn't it McKenna? Like I feel like they Michael McKenna. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, I I don't mind DiPietro getting chances. I think it's really? going to be great for his development. I, I I don't know if he's going to see. A he game. doesn't look like an NHL player, right? Dude, now, I just for me. like yeah, but I don't know if he's even going to see a game. Like if they're calling him up on this type of emergency thing, I don't think Thatcher's going to be out too long. That's just my. My own thoughts about it. If you look at the Canucks schedule, they play in Chicago tomorrow night, Thursday night, when this comes out, maybe the day of Thursday. And then they play Saturday at home against Calgary. Big game there. And then they play Monday against, I think it's San Jose. And then they play Anaheim on Wednesday. So there's breaks there. Maybe Markstrom's is going to get the go of it. Would you... Would you would you be would you be surprised at all no, if he just won every single game? No, not yeah. at all. And, and and I think Marky's the kind of guy who wants to have all those starts. Yeah, you know, I love the quote. After, dude, he's in his prime. I love the quote after the uh, the shit the, the shit quote the shit quote. Yeah. So good. He's like, it's such a shit play at a shit time. <laughs> a shit time of the season. <laughs> I laughed really hard. He's yeah. a fiery guy, man. Oh yeah. I mean, he's a goalie. They're dude, all weird. like. If there's one guy who has raised his stock on this team this year, for just me as a fan of this team, it's it's Marky. Like he's doing all the right things. He says the right things. He's he's fiery in those interviews. I love him watching him like post game man or like between periods or something. When when he gets interviewed, he's he's not scared to uh, pull any punches. He just lets it rip. Do you find that everybody in this market? looks at him as just a stopgap and we don't think of him as a future goalie and i wonder he has to consider that every time he takes the ice yeah and i you know what it's probably something that develops a chip on his shoulder yeah and in his school of thought it's probably helped him develop as a goaltender i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think the best players in any sport will always have a chip on their shoulder a guy like michael jordan right that guy played his entire career as a basketball player with the chip on his shoulder, like it's good to have that kind of animosity um, and, and believe, even if it's not actually the case that it's you against the world. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I always bug you because that's kind of a Patriot mentality when it comes to the NFL and, and they are respected as a franchise, no matter how much they say they're not. But um, I, I think it's great that Jacob Markstrom 
feels that way, and I do think it's fuel for him. And and man, like you also agree that the public thinks that way. Yeah, the yeah, fans yeah. Think no, that I, way. yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are are turning around on that now. Not totally turn around. Everybody still thinks Thatcher's the future. But man, has Marshall made a case this season? He's been unreal. And you know what? He had a stretch last year, like in the first half of the season, where he was like this. Yeah. And then he couldn't – then he was really inconsistent to start this year, but then he really buckled down Oh, there. like December on. Yeah. Just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Because we did make a point where he was so inconsistent that made him a shitty goalie because you have to be consistent in this league. Well, there was a point in this season where he wasn't stopping the first shot, and it was – it felt like it was like almost four games – four games out of five where the first shot went in on him. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's reversed. Now he's – He's the reason half the time when the, why the Canucks are in games, mm-hmm. you know, and that's great. It's it's good to see. What do you think of a Brisewall being so, called up here? Because we we got to talk about Pouliot Gabranson. These guys are just fucking dumpster fires right now. Pouliot, especially these, these last two games, he's man, been so he's bad. been so noticeable with just not even being able to clear the puck out of his own. Just passing it to the other team, just turnover after turnover. Even his board battling right now, he's not getting underneath guys' sticks. He's not getting on the inside. He's just he continues to be on the outside, just cross-checking him in the boards, trying to contain him, and that's not good enough because he's not strong enough to do that. Um, he miraculously is plus one on the season. I know. It's, it's How? It's incredible. How? It's incredible. Uh, good Branson isn't doing them any favors either on that pairing. Like both of them just, they just look like they're in over their head. Thankfully they get limited minutes. I think they should have their minutes limited even more, but it's funny because we were talking about prospects last week and he, Guillaume Breezeball was the last guy we brought up. And, uh, I think he's the guy who deserves the call up. I think he has a game that's probably the most rounded towards the NHL right now uh, on that team. A lot of people will disagree. They'll say McEnany, uh, Breezeball is a young guy, and I think this taste uh, could possibly motivate him to step up his game when he goes back down even more. He currently ranks second among Comets defensemen in games played this season. He has nine points, two goals, seven assists, and 20 penalty minutes. The Quebec native has posted 27 points overall in 130, 113 AHL games. So he he's not a guy who's going to like put up any points for you, but that's not really what we're looking in for. That, we just want a guy to eat up minutes. In that role, too, like he's going to be playing limited minutes. It's not like he's jumping up in you know, the top two pair, pairings. He's going to be a 5'6 guy, and I think that's perfect for him. I think that's probably what he will be when he finally does make that jump to the NHL. So, so why not? why not see it? Yeah, ice time by defense. We're going to go ice time by defenseman last game. Stetcher had 25-45. Hutton had over 28 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pouliot, 17 minutes, over 17 it's minutes. too much for him. Gabranson, 15 minutes. Guess who had the lowest amount of ice time among skaters? A- against Washington? Yeah. Uh, among all skaters. Petey? Louis Erickson. Louis. Nine minutes and 47 seconds. Interesting. Did, but they, wow. he was playing fourth line, right? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. We're playing our $6 million man to play nine minutes and I saw, Well, I saw seconds. Petey's ice time against the, the Flyers, and uh, it was pretty low as well after the game, and I thought he was out there a little bit more. 18 minutes. We have 18 minutes for Petey. On the, well, that's on fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, among- get Petey out there as much as you possibly can. This, the... Uh, Full disclosure, the the Washington game, I watched the first two periods, and then I had to go work the Victoria Royals game. So I only just caught the last little bit uh, where the Canucks put on a little bit of pressure at the end of the third there. but um, They played well, well in, in in stretches of the game against the, Their against second period was Washington. lights out. Yeah. Like Their second period was fantastic, but the, the first period, they didn't, they didn't start quick enough, and that was their downfall. And we've seen that a lot where they – they get the slow start, and somehow they find their way back into the game. But it's Washington, man. They're defending cup champions. And I know they've been on a bit of a, sh- a schneid lately, but like they are a team that has that depth to kind of hold fast and uh, challenge you the entire game, even when they're not fully playing to their potential. No. 
Let's preview the Canucks' next game, the red-hot Chicago Blackhawks at the Madhouse on Madison are going to be hosting the Canucks in an arena that Caleb Kirby's been to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was there the year the Hawks, the, the last year the Hawks won the Stanley. That's crazy. I saw the Hawks eliminate the Predators yeah. that night. I bought myself a jersey. <laughs> of course you Not going to name what the player. <laughs> um, Is it because you get booed here? <laughs> it might be because I... I'll get booed. But anyways, that player, if you want to go and find out who it was, he scored the game-winning goal in that game. That game had it all, man. Uh, Scott Darling was starting in that series because Crawford had been uh, pulled for playing kind of poorly at the beginning of that series. I remember. Uh, Darling gave up three goals, I think it was, in the first. Crawford came back, and he had like— Was that the 6-5 game or something like that? Yeah, and he had like the crazy like fanfare entrance. Like The Madhouse went nuts. When Crawford got back in the crease, everybody was cheering, going crazy. And then, yeah, like the Hawks ended up eliminating them in that in that game. I think it was game six. And that same night, I was, you know, on Madison after after the game. And there's just bars like all over Madison, just hockey bars, sports bars, all that sort of stuff. We went into a sports bar that night and me and my fresh new Blackhawks jersey got to watch the Canucks get eliminated in the Willie D era by the Flames. So I went from being a part of this moment where I was, you know, in adulation being like, yeah, this is sweet. What a moment. Good to see. Uh, Just to be a part of it, not necessarily like cheer like crazy, but just to be a part of it and then go down to this awesome pub, by the way, um, and then watch the Calgary Canucks game. And boy, man, a lot of people in that bar, they were going for Calgary over the Canucks in that series just, just due to that. Uh, long existing rivalry between the Canucks and uh, I can and, actually add a little Hawks. bit to this story. I got a call from Caleb Kirby <laughs> from the Madhouse on Madison. I'm like, where are you? People are hollering and screaming in the background. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Uh, and by the way, that was the first year. I mean, this has really only happened twice, but I go to that game. Hawks win that series. Hawks win a championship. Oh, my God. We go to Boston this year. Red Sox win the World Series. We go to to the Red Sox game. Red Sox end up winning the World Series. Patriots end up winning the Super Bowl. So by that nature, the Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup? No. No, I don't don't (laughs) think that's going to happen. It's just... It's interesting, like, when you go to a place. I mean, the, the Cubs won the World Series the following year after that. It's right. just, it's it's nice to go on these sports trips and, and be a part of that, yeah. I feel. Like, when you when you go there and you see a team kind of at their, at their best or at their greatest, you see them developing into something that could be something special. And then you could say as a fan, be like, yeah, I was there. It was it was a cool thing to see. That is cool. And you got to see the uh, the man with the big voice sing the national anthem. Yeah, yeah, uh, Jim Jim Corn Nicholson, Jim Corn, yeah, Jim Corn or Jim Corn. I want to say Jim Cornell, Cornielson. Yeah, it's something. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's Jim Corn Nielsen or yeah. Jim Corn Nicholson or something. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, that that. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the Blackhawks too much on a Canucks po- podcast, but like, we're yeah, that was somewhere. With that us. was special, man. That was a really special uh, anthem. Uh, the Can- uh Chicago, the Blackhawks. Believe it or not. Have won five straight. Yeah. And I watched them on WGN Super Super <laughs> Channel. Uh, beat up on the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, man. Did they, Oilers just took it, hey? It was something else. Like, the score was 2-1. And, you know, it was pretty even through the first couple of periods. And then the Hawks scored three goals in three, like, just over three minutes. And then two minutes later, they scored again. And um, the score was 5-2 all of a sudden. Within, yeah. like, six minutes, it was 5-2. And the Oilers were just a shit show watching it happen. I um, I saw a little bit of video on Twitter about that, and I saw a couple of Oilers fans throwing their jerseys on the ice Yeah, again. this was also, this so, was in Edmonton. So they're they're back to this now. And, and fair enough, I mean, I watched a couple hockey games on the weekend. I watched uh, the Oilers and Philly play. Philly literally played one period of that game. Like, the Oilers were ahead in the first two periods. They played one period, and they managed to come back and beat Philly in overtime. And that game shouldn't have even gone to overtime. Nolan Patrick had that game on his stick 
with like less than a minute to go. He could have buried him right there. It was just like a fluke that he didn't. And then the following day, same thing. Oilers going to the third with the lead. I think it was against Montreal. Blow it in overtime. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, so they blew three three-period leads. Bad. Right? Uh, but back to the Blackhawks. I've, I've watched them pretty closely, and they now they seem to have at least two lines, sometimes three lines that can score. Um, They're kind of similar to the way the, the Canucks are kind of put together. The, uh, the thing that's hurting them is their goaltending. They don't know what they're getting night in, night out goalie-wise. And if you actually look at their stats, like if you go to NHL.com and you look at the, the stats for the Hawks, goaltending is a glaring issue. Yeah. They're a lot better than um, a lot of people give them credit for. Like their goals for in this league is really, really good. It's just their goals against is horrendous. And that's why they were sitting in the bottom for so long. But they're they're creeping up. I mean, Patrick Kane, it seems like he's just going to take this team in into the playoffs, like, on his back. He's it doing c- it by himself. Dude, yeah. it could be, like, a Canuck-Blackhawk race for, like, these last two wildcard spots or this last wildcard spot the way it's going now. I that mean, would, that would be something. With Minnesota losing a guy like Koivu, like, that might be it for them. You know what's really interesting? I, I was watching the game, and they put up a figure on the screen. The Hawks are something like 10-3-1 against the Central Division. They're killing their own division, which is supposed to be one of the best divisions in hockey. Yeah. But against the Pacific Division, they have just one win this year. Canucks run their show as of late, hey? Like yeah. Canucks have been really, really good against the Blackhawks, and and I think that's something that they can hang their hat on moving forward. They're not the big, bad Blackhawks like they used to be. I, I don't Definitely think the Canucks not. are intimidated going into the madhouse anymore. But, man, like that – just losing these last two games against Washington and Philly, like it's kind of deflating because I thought I just wanted them to get one point yeah, out of those games. I they the, played well enough to at least get one. Yeah, point. they they totally did. Like Carter Hart shut the door on the Canucks in Philly, and last night they looked like they played good enough to win. Um, you're right. They it would be nice to get a point out of that, but like a win over this Hawks team, and as a Canuck fan, I'm feeling great. Like if if that goes down, yeah. I mean, but the point I was trying to make, though, is that they they are looking like, like they're not just a rollover, though. Like, for a while here, everybody kind of thought the Blackhawks were rollovers. Yeah. That's been passed to the Anaheim Ducks. But I also think that that's, <laughs> that's not – that's looking at the team's underlying numbers, not watching the team play. Like, if, you, if you've watched the team play, you know that their glaring issue is goaltending. Yeah. And, and that's what it is. Uh, and, I, and I was looking at their best player stats, like, yes – Patrick Kane's on pace for his best season as yeah, a pro ever with points. Yeah. And the same with Jonathan Taze. He's he's on pace for 85 yeah. points. Patrick <laughs> Kajula's just magically on that line somehow after getting traded away from the Oilers. <laughs> he scored. That shit is so funny, man. By the way, he scored against the Oilers. Of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> it's just salt in the wound. <laughs> it was good. It was really good. Uh I didn't I was I was uh, you laughed at me, but I said it on this podcast that the Oilers are the shits. Do you remember me saying that? Yeah. And you kind of laughed at me. And Well, I think as long as they have McDavid, they will always have a chance to do something. Yeah. Um, That's but not good enough, though. I, no. It's, well, clearly not right now. Yeah. When you have defense, if you think the Canucks have defensive problems, look at the Oilers, man. Mm-hmm. They just got back Andre Sequeira, and they're, like, hoping that he is, like, their savior. He's not. And they're it's in cap trouble, like, trying to bring him back. Yeah. That situation over there is just beyond screwed. Um, yeah, going back to the Canucks, though, like, they need to string a couple together here. And, and a guy like Bo, especially, man, like. Bo Horvat is struggling yeah, right now. He has one goal in 16 games. He is struggling, and you can see the frustration out there. Like, even last night against Washington, watching him take that penalty shot, it, even the way he went in, I was just like, man, this guy just doesn't have the confidence right now to to just, like like he usually does, just a bull in a china shop, skate down as fast as he can, just rip up Hawk. He, I think he was overthinking it. I like how Green has put him on a line with offensive players, though. I do, He too. put Besser on that line. He put Goldobin on that line just because he knows that they got to find a way to get this guy going. Fucking Goldie, too, man. Like, that guy's got to not shoot top Ched every time. He goes, 
he seriously tries to pick like the roof of the net every time. There's so many shots that just sail over the net. Ah, oh, man, it's frustrating to watch. What, like with Berchi out though, the Canucks top six is like it's in flux. We don't really know. I mean, even with Berchi in there, it's kind of in flux. Well, it's, I think you have enough guys to round out a top six without even with Berchi out. I I think Levo should be in the top six. Is he good enough to be a top six? He I need, like his he, game. Well, the thing is, is he needs to know his role if he is in that top six. Levo, to me, is a guy that should be in front of that net trying to tip pucks and banging. I didn't like is, his game against this, Washington. This is what I'm saying about this team as a whole. They don't have a guy that does that enough on a, on a consistent basis, and it pisses me off. There's still, like They overplay a lot. You know, everybody, they, they try and set up fancy shit, passing back and forth, cough the puck up in their end. A lot of the time, they have so many players that have good enough shots to just throw it at the net and try and bang away at a rebound. Nobody on this team is good enough near that crease right now. No. Nobody bangs hard in there enough. People go in front, they try and screen, maybe they try and Why tip, the- but they're not consistently down there fighting and paying the price to get some greasy goals. And that needs to change. I... Yeah, I agree. I something has to be done about the power play. What they have, what they're fancy, what they're doing right now. Like they have Besser off the point and in the middle. I, they're hoping to get a defender up high to open up the cross ice pass. I think is that what they're doing? I think that's what they're doing. But I mean, like, look at the team you just played. Look at what Washington does on their power play. Look at that thread of TJ Oshie, kind of higher up in that slot. Stick a guy in in there who can rip the puck, put Besser back in the spot where Ovechkin is, and you have a double th- a double threat right away. I don't know if, if Pedersen is the guy who needs to be controlling that power play from the sidewall. I don't know. I don't. I think you should maybe try something different with just where he's put. Whatever, it is, whatever they have right now, it's not working. Yeah. It's not. So that's what I would like to see right but away. But I, like, I think they're overthinking it too, right? Even Besser, the other, like... I think it was like a week or two ago, he was talking about like finding his game again. And he said, he's like, I'm not getting the puck off my stick quick enough. I'm, I'm overthinking it. I'm trying to aim. He's like, I'm going to try and aim less. And since he's been doing that, he's oh, been he's scoring been, goals. He's been probably the Canucks' most consistent player because, here. Because like, honestly, with him, it's just like kind of muscle memory. Once he gets that puck on his stick and just lets her rip, like, man, some of the goals he's been scoring lately have been snipes too. Oh, the one goal against Colorado was oh, pretty, bar pretty down? stuff. Yeah. Beautiful. It was bar down material yeah. for sure. So, yeah, the Canucks are going to have to figure that shit out because they're going against a team against in Chicago that can fucking put the puck in the net. Yeah. I've, I've, I've like, they've, they have an interesting makeup of their team. So they have, like, the top line right now, they're playing Kane and Taze together with Kajula. Yeah. And then the second line, they're playing Strom, Debrincat, and I think it's Cahoon, who I don't really like that much of a player, but they like him because he drives to the dirty areas and gets the puck. Yeah. And then their third line, they have like Saad, um, Anisimov, and um, another player. Uh, I can't remember. And then their fourth line is just a s- straight checking line. But they can get goals from all three lines. Yeah. Which not, I don't think there's a lot of teams in the NHL can get goals from all three lines right now. Uh, yeah, I including the Canucks. We're we, we can't get goals from two lines. Green Green is like I honestly think Green has Vertanen on that third line because he thinks uh, Vertanen when he's on his game is good enough to drive that line, and I don't disagree with that. I think when Vertanen is on his game using his speed, he drags everybody else up the ice. He like we've seen it this year already, and we saw it against that game in Colorado. Like when him and him and Roos both had two points. So I don't mind that, but, like, I'd just love to see Vertanen in the top six working with these other guys a little bit more um, because the, the Canucks do need, like, when Berchi's out, they are thin up there, and, and putting a guy like Roussel in that spot doesn't make any sense. Clearly, the jury's out on a guy like Schaller. Like, he shouldn't be there. Granlund came back. He played okay. He scored a goal. Um, but to me, he's he's a bottom six player, and he's a great bottom six player. I just think with Sven Berchi out, we're just not going to have anything set here for a while. Yeah, but Berchi's not even like, with what Berchi does, he's never been like a crash bang guy in front of the net who's taking swipes at pucks or anything else. I think that guy has to be Levo or Vertanen, and I think you need to give those guys that assignment, 
right? Like, you need to be like, you're in front of the net tonight. That's what you're doing. If you're not doing that, I'm going to sit your ass. They need it. Or to make a trade. Well, yeah, or to make a trade, or to, you know, pull the trigger on that Sutter trade. Okay, here's a question for you. What's more pressing? Figuring out what to do with those top two lines or the defense? I think it's equally pressing. Like, the thing is, is with with a guy like Edler in the lineup, and then, like, let's just keep our fingers crossed he comes back sooner than later. The deficiencies of Good Branson and Pouliot can be hidden a little bit better. But the Canucks, like, when they have a game where they're scoring, they're piling it on. But when they're not scoring, like, they're just, like, the the amount of chances that they're generating aren't, like, rebound-type, dirty-to-the-net type of chances. They're all either off the rush or shots generated on the power play. It's a massive hole in the offensive game right now. Yeah. and And it's, like, it's seriously missed. So, to me... Just thinking about both of those, because you can cover up one a little more than you can cover up the other. I think they need a, a, a winger who can bang in front of that net a little bit more. Let's take a moment here and talk about how great a defensive pairing Ben Hutton and Troy Stetcher are right now. They're like our rocks back there. Yeah. With Edler getting hurt, that's like our de facto top pairing right now. Well, what did you say the minutes were for, for those guys? You well, had, Hutton you was at 28. There. Yeah, that's Hutton, incredible. Hutton was at over 28 minutes, and Stetcher was at over 25. And, it, like, nobody, nobody. <laughs> expected this type of a bounce-back season from Ben Hutton. I thought he was this close to being cut yeah. this year. And I, I honestly think that since they've been paired together, Stetcher has improved. Like, we've seen more out of Stetcher's game. Yeah. And it, it's just a trust thing with him. Yeah, they trust each other as a pairing, and that's fantastic to see. You can tell that a guy like Tanev now, who's been playing with Good Branson a little more, you can tell Tanev doesn't trust trust Good Branson. Oh, right. And, he, and I guess Tanev has had to go play the opposite wing. Yeah. Do you think that's the right way to go? Is he that much? I guess he's the elder statement it, statesman. Well, he's got to do. He's got to do something, and he's well. He's trusted yeah. as well back there to not give up the puck. Yeah, he had a really bad giveaway the other night. On the very first goal. Yeah, on the, the very first goal. The TJ Oshie goal, yeah. But, um, he, and it was funny, watching that TJ Oshie goal, he basically looked at Good Branson. Good Branson was open. He yeah. didn't pass it to him. Yeah. And he tried to bring it up the ice himself. So, I mean, that's, to me, that's just not trusting your D partner to, to get the job done. Oh, you can't have that on teams. You just can't. Because you go back to the locker room, these guys hang out together all the time. You, if you don't trust them, yeah. like they know it, right? Yeah, probably like makes for some long plane rides, if that's the case. Like, well, I mean, especially if you look at the film after, right? Like we have kind of an advantage of having that uh, view from the top and seeing all these little nuances there, right? Who knows if even during the game, a guy like uh, Eric Branson was thinking about that play. He could have been, but um, sometimes it's when you when you go back to the film and you look at it and you go, oh, okay, well, what was that about? Let's talk about some news around the rest of the NHL here. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and Star Center Austin Matthews have agreed to a five-year extension. The 21-year-old uh, will make an average of just over $11.6 million a season when it kicks in next year. You like the deal. Dude, what a good guy Austin Matthews is. I thought he could have taken him to the cleaners, and he kind of let him off easy with this deal. I think this deal is great for the Leafs. Wasn't there rumors like a month ago that this was going to be something ridiculous? We're going to be like seeing a $15 million contract? Yeah, I mean, million that's dollars Toronto being Toronto, too, at yeah. the same time. But, yeah. like, yeah, maybe, I, like, maybe five ma- years? Yeah. Like, even the term is short. Yeah. Five years is one year more than the Canucks signed a guy like Jay Beagle for, who's, what, 33 years old? <laughs> and he's still making, it's like, incredible. like, 11.6 is nothing to sniff at. No. Like, it's still good. I think it's, like, good for both sides. Because five years, then he can sign another big contract. It's yeah, not, absolutely. It's not one of those, like, eight-year contracts where you have to wait for, who knows what's going to happen in eight years, I, right? I honestly hope that, uh, like, this contract kind of swings things back 
in the NHL for signing players and stars. Like this to me is a great contract for, for a team. And it is a good contract for Matthews. It gives, gives them a little freedom. It takes the pressure off too, man. Like, you know, the fishbowl market, like Toronto, if you got a guy signed long-term and he's not producing, like it, it's not good for anybody. Yeah. This is a good move by the young, uh, GM there, Kyle Dubas, or however yeah. the hell you pronounce his name. It begs the question, though, what's going to happen with Marner? Yeah, so that's gonna, that was going to be my next question, because if you look at the restricted free agents next year, there's some big names. Brock Besser, Miko Rantanen, Matthew Kachuk, and like you just said there, Mitchell Marner. We're, what does this do for those guys? Because we saw William Nylander... That was yeah. a pretty significant contract. And now he's not. They did They did pretty well with him, too. Yeah, but, like, I mean, he, people are already up his ass for how he's been playing since yeah. he's come back, especially for holding out the way he has. I you, feel had like, to, you had to know that was going to happen. I feel though. like his stock in Toronto has just taken a major, major hit. Not even in Toronto, across the league. Yeah, but you kind of, for me, I thought that was predictable. You can't yeah. just come into the middle of the season in a, in a game like the NHL and just pick up where you left off. Yeah, no, you're right. I think um, it's going to still take him some time. Marner's one of those guys, and I'm not taking anything away from him as a player because he's, he's crafty, it. he's, he's fantastic. He's right like now. a younger Patrick Kane, right? Yeah. I'm not even going to say he's the poor man's Kane because I've realized now that that's a little bit of an insult. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Marner has a really bright future ahead of him. I do, however, think his numbers are a little bit inflated playing really? with a guy like Tavares. Really? Yeah, even uh, though he's getting all the assists on all these goals. Yeah, I think I think those guys play really, really well together, and um, I think Tavares, no matter who he plays with, is going to make those players better. He's one of maybe I don't know seven, eight guys in the league that makes their wingers better, no matter who they are. And I mean, when you are as skilled as a guy like Marner is, which clearly he is, he like, has sixty three points in fifty two games. Yeah, this year. it's incredible. He's gonna. I don't think he's going to get more than Matthews, but I think he'll get something similar. Uh, what do you expect for guys like uh, Ratnan, Kachuk, and Besser? Well, Ratnan's made a crazy case for himself. That's going to be a hard contract to negotiate. Yeah. Um, I don't think Besser is going to be as high as, as those guys. No? No, and I don't think Kachuk will either, even though they're like, I mean. I saw some guesses on the internet. We saw, he said, Guesses around Kachuk and Besser around like seven and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if Besser got eight. Okay. I wouldn't be. Yeah. Because um, I think Brock, by the time this season is done, he's probably about a point per game. And well, by the time not the only that, done. but he's a first line player. Yeah. Right. Kachuk yeah. isn't playing first line minutes in in, fl- in the on the Flames. Rantanen has seventy four points right yeah. now in. And, that, you know, and that's why Rantanen will probably be the hardest contract to negotiate because, like, he came out on the season like a house on fire and he just hasn't slowed down. And, and uh, like, that's going to command more money even if it is just one outlier of a year. Yeah. Braden Point also, I think, is up for a contract yeah. extension next year. So, yeah, these teams, uh, the, I think a lot of GMs probably looked at the Austin Matthews contract and were like, all right. They wiped the sweat off their brow yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Toronto, the, the Leafs did the, the league a favor with that for sure. Well, the stars in Nylander and Matthews could have really, and I guess Marner's coming up here, those three guys could really put the Leafs under under the train, so to speak, with, with, with the contract. I love that the Leafs didn't, like, I love that they held out with Nylander. I think that's awesome, man. Like, especially in hindsight now. Yeah. Like, phew. Way to drive a hard bargain, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. That's that's just drawing a line in the sand and being like, dude, you're not pushing us around. You're not a, you're not even a top three guy on this team. So you're not going to get that money. Good for them. Other news, the New Jersey Devils traded forward Brian Boyle to the Nashville Predators in exchange for a second-round pick. Brian Boyle got a second-round pick in return. Somehow, Brian Boyle will always make the playoffs. Yeah. It's just inevitable. <laughs> yeah. You know, like even <laughs> if he's on a, story he a team like the the Devils this year who were struggling and I mean, he's had his personal struggle over the the past couple of years battling uh what is it, leukemia? Yeah, oh, yeah. cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Like man, and he's a heck of a player. I he always seems to make the playoffs on no matter what team he's been on, whether it's Tampa, LA, uh, New York, 
yeah. uh, jersey last year. Yeah. Now he's going to Nashville. They're going to make the playoffs. Fourth line depth center, huge body, great yeah. checker, great on the wall, good teammate. Like yeah. Nashville got a gem there, and I think he's worth the second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently Nashville not uh, done either. There's going to be there's going to be more stuff out there. Predators inquired about the Blue Jackets rumor hmm. uh, about uh, Panarin. The bread man. Yeah, that'd be interesting. What's going to happen with Panarin? Apparently Panarin is like the number one target right now if you want a scoring player that's available. And I think we talked about that in our last podcast. Oh. Uh, because he's a pending unrestricted free agent. Columbus is so weird to me, man. Like, I know that they've been put in a rough spot with Bobrovsky and Panarin basically saying, like, no, we don't really have an interest to go back. But, like, if Columbus farms it, on the returns for Panarin and Bobrovsky, like, they're never going to hear the end of it. They've, like, their fans have been so patient with this team to do more than just make the playoffs and get bounced in the first round. And this year, it seemed like they had their shit together, and then these reports come out that both these guys are going to leave. Like, they're going to fall out of a playoff spot and a team who knows who's going to take that playoff spot in the East. Like it, Philly could even do it now with a guy like Hart, but like, man, I, I'm disappointed. Like I'm not even a fan of the blue jackets, but I just kind of feel kind bad for their like. fan base. Panarin 60 points in 53 games. He would lead the predators by 15 points. He'd be their leading scorer. So looks like the Predators could probably use some scoring because I guess Ryan Johansson doesn't really put up a lot of goals or points, eh? I always think he could do more, and he doesn't. Johansson? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... That he, looks like a really nice trade for for Columbus, eh? In hindsight, But, I trade. mean, Johansson's had a bit of an off year this year, too. And he's a bit of a beast in the playoffs, too. Like, when they make the playoffs, he kind of turns it on. Well, who would you rather have, though? Um... Jones or Johansson? Yeah, Seth Jones or Johansson. I think it's pretty clear. Well, rather would I rather have Jones. Johansson on a team that consistently makes the playoffs and is a contender and has done a lot to bring that team to bring that team to become a contender? Or do I want Jones on a team now that looks like it's falling apart and isn't even going to make the playoffs? Well, it's not his I think you, fault. No, <laughs> I understand that. But, like, you got to look at it, like, through those optics because that's the way that these things are right now. I mean, as a player, I think Jones is – now, like, and even last year, I was like, hey, it's a great hockey trade. These guys kind of cancel each other out. Yeah. This year hasn't been Johansson's year. Right now, Jones is more the valuable guy. But yeah. the team he's on looks like they're about to be flushed down the toilet. Yeah. Not his fault. I mean, it's a full team, right? So I agree. Yeah. Uh, other news around the NHL. This one has a Canuck flavor, flavor to it. Andre Boudria. He was one of the first offensive stars for the Canucks, was also a team captain. Dead at the age of 75, died in Whistler. He turned pro with the Canucks in 1963, but his career didn't take off until joining the Canucks for their expansion season in 1970-71. He put up five straight seasons of 60 or more points in Vancouver. It's impressive. He was there for the... Garbage teams, too. Yeah, the Orland curtain back days. This is a little before my time. I wasn't alive. Um, do you have anything you know about? Dude, I wasn't <laughs> alive either, man. No, I mean, I, I missed this whole era. I got yeah. I got into the Canucks like 89, 90. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's just interesting because there yeah. is an era there that we don't really, you know, we don't really talk about. We don't know about. I mean, yeah. back to the '90s and a little bit in the '80s there with Richard Broder and stuff. We know though. We know that. Yeah, we, Smeal well, yeah. and all that stuff. There's, but there's an era before that, and this guy was a big part of that era. So, um, yeah, rest in peace there, Mister Andre Budera. You pronouncing that right? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what they gave me at uh, Canadian Press. But against Canadian press, can uh, CP Sports not very good these days. No, not very good at all. They get, I would uh, they get things say wrong all whole, the time. They uh, need a little work. Yeah, they need a, a work. They need a proofreader. They need a proofreader. Oh, this radio industry, just the cuts keep coming. Hey. Yeah. 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 That's all I had on my <laughs> list of things to go over. All things Canucks and NHL related. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about the dumpster fire that is the Anaheim Ducks right now? Something has to give there. 
uh, I just think it's their time. It's it's their time to fall apart, and they're 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 still paying guys a lot of money. This is uh this is kind of the beginning of the end for this team, and I think this team is probably going to be in the toilet for a while. I unless, saw unless reports they that some... they wanted to re-sign my boy Jakob Silverberg? Silverberg, but they, they I would been able deal to. him, man. I would deal him so to. hard at the trade deadline and get whatever I could. I think Silverberg is a guy who can fetch you a first round pick. Yeah, he's probably yeah. one of the few players on their team that could do that. Yeah, for you know his contract and everything right yeah. now. So, uh, you know what, Jakob Silverberg in a Canucks jersey wouldn't uh, look too bad. Yeah, about now. I mean, I wouldn't give up a first round pick for him. He's one of those but. guys that could drive the play, right? Yeah, drives play. Yeah, can uh, you know take wax at pucks in front of the net? Yeah, we could use a few of those guys. Yeah, is that it? That's it. End on your boy. Jakob Selvabag. Okay. Yeah, that's all I got. You got anything else? No, man. This is all you, and I, I love what you brought to the table this week. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, where can we find you, Caleb? You can find me at Curbman23 on Twitter, and you can email us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, between the stammers, at gmail.com. Art, what else do we got? Uh, go Patriots. It was good to see them uh, win their sixth championship. It's been a long time since the city of Boston had anything good happen for, to I was them. waiting for you to plug your iTunes and all that other stuff. What are you doing? Uh, yeah, you can Talking find me. Talking about the Patriots. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> worst Super Bowl game I've ever seen, by the way. Is it the worst? One of them. Yeah. It's right up there. It's like like that Giants uh, Ravens snore fest that happened, I think it was back in like 2000. Was, was a bit of a crap game as well. Those are kind of the two that stick out to me. I thought the Carolina-Denver game wasn't very good either. Yeah. And I actually, the Denver-Seattle Seattle. game wasn't really that good, except for the fact it had, like, really good plays. There was yeah. a few really good plays, yeah. like the jet sweep to Percy Harvin. Okay. And, All right. Yeah. All right, Art, where can we find you? <laughs> At Art Aronson on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, thanks for listening to Between the Stammers.